them back to the promised land after the story of Joseph, and we heard all that. Uh, they were there 400 years, and then after that they went back and took Joseph's bones with them. And if you remember, uh, through all of that, they were told to drive out the people that were in the promised land. Either kill them in battle or evict them, get them out of there. And if they didn't, they'd be in trouble. Well, after the book of Joshua, where all that happened, there's the book of Judges. And at the very start of the book of Judges, uh, at the end of chapter 1, it says, verse 27, But Manasseh did not drive out the people of bet or Tanakh, or Dor, or Iblim. And then it goes to, on to the next one. And it's the whole paragraph there says the Israelites didn't do what they were supposed to. They didn't drive out the pagans that lived there. They didn't drive out the, the people that served other gods. And because of that, uh, down in chapter 2, verse uh, 1 the, the Lord said, the angel of the Lord said, I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land that I swore to give to your forefathers. I said, <clears throat> excuse me, I will never break my covenant with you and will shall not make a covenant with the people of this land, but you shall break down their altars. Yet you disobeyed me. Why have you done this? Now, therefore, I tell you that I will not drive them out before you. They will be thorns in your sides and their gods will be a snare to you. God had told them, you clean the land up. Things will go better. They didn't do it. He told them, okay, you're going to suffer the consequences. I'm not going to drive them out for you. And they're going to be a thorn in your side, and their gods are going to be a problem. Well, that's what the book of Judges is about. The next number of years, uh, the people would get in trouble from the Philistines or all the other bad folks that lived there. Uh, they'd finally get in such trouble and be harassed so much that they'd whine and cry about it. God would hear them, and he would send a judge. He would rise up a person, raise up a person to deliver them. In fact, that's another word for what we usually call judges. Uh, they didn't really serve as judges in what we think of a judge. Uh, they were Another word is deliverer. Another word is savior. They'd, he had raised up somebody that would help them against their enemies. And things would get fixed for a while or a little better sometimes, and then they'd go back into disobedience and the Philistines or whoever else would get on them again, and then he'd raise up another judge. So the book of Judges has got 12 judges mentioned in it, and Samson is one of them. Uh, Samson was judge for 20 years. Uh, he is mentioned in Hebrews 11. So he's one of our people in the hall of faith. He's barely mentioned. Uh, if you go over to Hebrews 11 down in verse uh, 32, after the writer has covered a lot of them, he says, and what more shall I say? I don't have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. He said, there are a lot of them I left out. I just don't have room to tell you about them. And then he kind of lumps a lot of things that these people did. He said, who, through faith, conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, 
and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign enemies. And then he goes on lists other things. Uh, so I, at least the one thing in there we know Samson did, his weakness was turned to strength. Uh, his strength came from the Lord, not from his hair. Uh, and that's probably what the writer of Hebrews was talking about there. But he's in Hebrews 11, the Hall of Faith. He's got three chapters in the books of, book of Judges, 13 through 16. And the story is worth telling completely or even reading completely. It's uh, so interesting. But most of you know it, I think. And if not, go home and read three chapters. You can handle that. Uh, you obviously don't watch TV, so you got time to read the Bible. So go <laughs> read chapter 13 through 16, and you'll find all sorts of things that are actually a little confusing. And that's why I entitled this lesson, Samson, Hero or Failure. He's listed in the Hall of Faith, but he didn't really do so good. Uh, and I don't have an answer for some of it. I don't know why uh, God listed him in Hebrews 11 as many wrong things as he did. Uh, I don't know exactly why God used him to defeat the Philistines in some ways in spite of all the things that Samson did wrong. So this is kind of a strange study. It's not a pure faith walker, hero kind of guy. It's a guy that messed up a whole lot of things. And I think we can learn just as much from that as we can a 100% faith walker. Uh, Samson didn't walk by faith a lot of the time. So we're going to work on him for a couple of weeks here. Uh, if you read chapters 13 through 16... Uh, you'll find out that he was announced by an angel, uh, came to his father, uh, to his mother, and his father was Manoah. And immediately after it tells the story of him being announced by an angel, that's chapter 13, uh, then it starts up in his life, and that's when all the excitement and trouble and everything else start. Uh, he immediately goes off to the Philistines' world, and finds a woman he wants to marry. Okay? Now bear in mind, this is a guy that God has raised up as a judge to defeat the Philistines. Uh, the clue may be in the fact that it says that he was raised up, uh, let's see, chapter 13, verse 5, the end of it, it says, he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. So that may be part of our answer is God never intended him to do the whole thing, but he would begin it. But even with that calling to go off and say, I think I'll pick me a Philistine wife, that's a little strange. Okay? And then we find that he wasn't obedient to his parents. They said, no, that's not a good idea, son. You don't want to be marrying a Philistine. He said, she's the one I want. Go get her for me. I mean, a hero of faith and these stories just don't always quite uh, seem to ring too true. Uh, of course, he got in trouble with that first one there. Uh, he killed a lion on the way to see her and made a riddle out of that. And uh, Her father ended up giving her to a friend of Samson's and that made him mad. So he went back and killed a whole lot of Philistines. And uh, that's the way the story goes, uh, back and forth between him 
fooling around with Philistine women, uh, getting in trouble for it and getting out of trouble by using his great strength uh, and killing a bunch of Philistines. And then, of course, toward the end, he gets involved with Delilah, and she gets bribed to find out the secret of his strength because he's been causing so much troubles for the Philistines. And he messes with her for a whole chapter uh, by giving her phony answers. And that would have been a great TV series part. Uh, All these tricks he played on her because he would tell her something, and she would say, okay, wait till he fell asleep, and then she'd do that. She tied him up with new thongs and with new ropes and with tied him to the loom and did all sorts of things. And then she'd say, "Uh uh-oh, they're they're here, the Philistines are here, and he'd jump up and throw everything off and whip everybody. You know, great superhero story. Uh, And he kept tricking her like that until finally she wore him out. And I think there's a story in there about nagging wives somewhere, but anyhow, she finally, finally wore him out, and he told her the truth. Uh, He said, I'm a Nazarite, I'm not supposed to cut my hair. Uh, and if I break that vow, God will take my, not give me the strength that he's been giving me. Uh, so she had it cut, and uh, he didn't have his strength because he had broken the vow. And then he died in the temple, and we'll get to that later, uh, after he'd had his eyes put out. So uh, a very up and down, a lot of victories and a lot of bad things happening, a lot of things that I can't believe God wanted him to do. Uh, but it's an exciting story, like I said. Uh, Samson's kind of unique. Uh, a lot of the other judges, the saviors, the deliverers, like Gideon and stuff, they, they led armies. They were leaders. Uh, Samson was a lone wolf. Uh, he was kind of a Rambo kind of guy. It was him against everybody. Uh, he'd go fight the Philistines by himself. And I'm sure he did some leading of some sort in 20 years, but the Bible doesn't tell us anything about it. It just tells us about his individual adventures. So that's who we're dealing with, and most of you know uh, all of the details, and if not, go home and refresh your memories. It's a, it's a great story. Now, tonight what we're going to do, finish up with, is, is how he failed. And I'm working on the premise that he did fail to some degree. Uh, although since he's in Hebrews 11, you could say he was a success some ways also. But I think he failed a lot. So we're going to look at how he failed, and then next week we're going to talk about why he failed, what what caused him to do the wrong things, to go the wrong way. Okay, so here's how he failed, I think. And we've got to understand his life. Uh, first of all, he had everything. If you go to chapter 13... He begins by being announced by an angel. Not many folks in the Old Testament or New Testament in that category. This guy is pretty special. Uh, You can think of a few maybe, but I don't think you can think more than one hand perhaps uh, of people that were announced by an angel. An angel came and said, you're going to have a child and here's why and here's what's going to happen. Well, that's what happened. Uh, Manoah's wife, Mrs. Manoah, as far as we know, uh, the angel came to visit her, appeared to her, verse uh, 3 of chapter 13. The angel of the Lord appeared and said, you're sterile and childless, but you're going to conceive and have a son. Now see to it 
that you drink no wine or other fermented drink, and you do not eat anything unclean, because you will conceive and give birth to a son. Uh, No razor may be used on his head, because the boy is to be a Nazarite. Set apart to God from birth, and he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. And so Mrs. Manoah went and told her husband, and Manoah prayed about it. Uh, In fact, let's go to verse 8 there. Uh, Not only did he have an angelic announcement, he had godly parents. Uh, He was born into a great family, which you would make sense. If the angel's going to pick somebody, (laughs) God's going to pick somebody to have a hero here. Probably be a godly couple. Uh, Verse 8 says, Manoah prayed to the Lord. O Lord, I beg you, let the man of God you sent to us come again and teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. Isn't that cool? Manoah understood the importance of this. Okay, An angel has told us we're going to have a special son. This son's going to help the Israelites begin to defeat the Philistines, and I don't know if I'm up to that task. That should be a pretty common feeling for fathers and mothers both. Uh, I'm not sure I'm up to this. This is a huge responsibility. And so Manoah prayed about it. He said, as long as that angel's running around doing things, have him come back and give me a fathering seminar. You know, I'd, I'd like to know how to do this. Uh, great family, evidently. Uh, the story goes on about talking to the angels and doing all that. And toward the end of chapter 13, we learn one more thing about what he had. Uh, verse 24, the woman gave birth to a boy, named him Samson. He grew, and the Lord blessed him. So he was announced by an angel. He was born into a godly family, and the Lord was looking out for him. The Lord was blessing his life. Verse 25 goes on and says, And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he was in Manadon between Zorah and Eshtol. Uh, And the reason I mention that is because Samson is one of the the clearest examples of how the Holy Spirit of God used to operate. Uh, It says over and over through this story that the the Spirit of God came upon Samson, or fell upon Samson, or overwhelmed Samson. And that was when he did his feats of strength. He wasn't uh, all the time strong. He wasn't all the time able to do that, uh, that we know of. Uh, When it was necessary, the Spirit of the Lord would empower him to do what he needed to do. And then toward the end, of course, when we read the story of him waking up after they cut his hair and all that, he f- figured out the Lord had departed. That the Spirit wasn't empowering him anymore. So that's who we're dealing with here. A guy that you can't start any better than that. Uh, an angel explains to your parents what you're there for. They're concerned. They're praying. They're going to do the best job they can. And God's on your side. He's blessing you. Pretty good start. Now, what his role in this was, all of that was done outside of him. What his role was, he was supposed to be holy. Now, that's the Nazarite part of this. That's the Nazarite thing. 
Uh, this is not a Nazarene vow. It doesn't have anything to do with Jesus. Jesus was a Nazarene. Uh, this is a Nazarite vow, and you can read about it elsewhere in the Old Testament. But what it was was when you wanted to do something special for God, you would go to the tabernacle or temple and, and take a Nazarite vow and say, I am vowing to be especially set apart for God until I accomplish so-and-so. You could take them for a short period of time. The Apostle Paul had a Nazarite vow. Uh, he went to the uh, temple to finish that up, and we, we don't know what he took it for, but he promised God for, for a certain period of time, I'm going to be dedicated to this. Well, Samson uh, and John the Baptizer, by the way, were given that Nazarite vow before they were born. And the, the vow consisted of at least three parts. Uh, number one, you weren't supposed to partake of anything from the vine. Uh, alcoholic drink or grape juice or anything to do with grapes for that matter. You weren't supposed to cut your hair and you weren't supposed to be around dead bodies. Now, we hear that and we think, well, that's a strange combination. Uh, what's that got to do with anything? Well, that has pretty much to do with all of life and a lot of the things where we're tempted. Uh, the vine, uh, I think, signifies standard, normal pleasures of life. Okay? Uh, and we think of... Alcoholic drink is one thing today, but that's not what this was about. Uh, this was about the, the fruit of the vine. And it's hard for us to understand because when we go in quick trip, we've got 700 beverages to choose from. Uh, I guess with the machines, you can have seven quintillion. If you mix everything just right, you can have anything you want. Uh, in those days, they had water or grape juice. It was their choice. You know, so grape juice was a big whoop. You know, <laughs> this is good stuff. This is better than the plain old water, and a lot of the water was bad. Uh, so the, the fruit from the vine was a blessing. And you read through Psalms and Proverbs, and I talk, that's why it talks about that a lot. That's a blessing from the Lord. Have something that tastes that good. Yeah. So you gave that up as a Nazarite. You're, in essence, giving up physical pleasures of, uh, in, in one way at least and saying, I'm going to abstain from that. Okay? The second part was, I'm not going to cut my hair. Okay? Uh, to me, that has to do with, with pride. You know, you're going to look different than everybody else. You're going to tell people uh, visually that I'm different. Okay? Uh, there, today, there are a few people that, for religious reasons, dress differently, uh, wear black clothing or white clothing or something different, or uh, there's Hasidic Jews that don't cut the, the sides of their hair and have long curls down here. And you see one, you know, okay, they're serious about this. You know, it tells you something. Well, if you saw a guy Samson's age, 30 or 40, that never had a haircut... He's going to look different than most folks. Yeah. 
And if you ask him about it, he says, well, I'm, I'm under a Nazarite vow. So it's setting yourself apart where you even look different than normal people. And then the last part, not being around dead bodies, uh, to me that has to do with earthly relationships. Uh, You couldn't go to a funeral if your grandmother died. You couldn't go to a funeral if a good friend of yours died. You couldn't, and in those days, today, we're so sanitized, we're not around dead bodies much at all. In those days, you were around dead bodies all the time. And not just humans, but animals, too. Uh, so you had to be careful about where you went and who you were with and what you stumbled into and because you were separated. Now, those are just to me, kind of symbolic things, but the, the overall picture is, that's what holiness is, is separation from the world. Different from the world. That was Samson's job. That was his whole calling. God was going to use him to help start delivering the, the, the people from the Philistines, and he wanted him to be separate from the world. He wanted him to be different, and he had used him. So Samson had everything to start His part was supposed to be being holy, and then God would use him. Now, what he did was broke all of those. What he did was not stay holy. Now, God still used him. God can use us even when we mess up. But when I say he failed, here's why I think he failed, and I lumped it into one in a big sentence, that his influence was diminished. What I'm trying to say is, yeah, he did some good stuff and he killed some Philistines, but I don't think he did near what he could have done. Now, I may find out different when I get there. You know, Samson may explain to me how it all was. But it seems to me he didn't do near what he could have done with his life, with everything that he had starting out and everything that God had given him and everything that God had prepared for him. Now, next week we're going to talk about why he failed. This is not why he failed. This is just how he failed. Uh, We know about him cutting his hair. We know he broke that part of the vow. Uh, Technically, Delilah broke that part of the vow. But when he explained that to her, knowing what she was going to do, he messed up. Uh, Anybody remember just from my quick story of 13 through 16, was Samson ever around any dead bodies? (laughs) <laughs> that's how he lived his life. Yeah. Uh, he, he was killing a thousand here and a thousand there and 30 here and, and, and the, the lion and they, they, all of it was dead bodies. So we know he broke that one. Uh, he partied when he was with the Philistines and had wine at the parties and all that. Broke that part. He had disobedient to his parents. We already talked about that. Uh, sex, he was immoral. He was carnal. He went looking for Philistine women. He took up with prostitutes. He didn't do well at being holy in any way. Now, when I when I say he did less than he could have, uh, that's an assumption on my part, and maybe God planned it out exactly this way. I don't know. Uh, but one way I'd like to illustrate it is by considering 
how he died and an incident in some other great character's life. So let's go over to Judges chapter 16 and look at how Samson died. Now we know the story. Delilah cut his hair. The guys came in, tied him up, took him, put his eyes out, uh, imprisoned him. And uh, verse 23 of chapter 16, uh, well, let's just go up to chapter, verse 21. The Philistine seized him, gouged out his eyes, took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding in the prison. They hooked him up to a millstone like an ox. Uh, but the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Now, verse 23. Now, the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to celebrate, saying, Our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. When the people saw him, they praised their God, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands. The one who has laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. While they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. Uh, and then the ending, of course, he stood between two pillars. Uh, he pushed on them at the same time. TV show got that wrong. He, he pushed on them at the same time, and the temple collapsed and killed a lot, a lot of Philistines. So he killed more in his, we know it was a lot because he killed more in his death than in his life. Uh, so that's the end of his life. I know he killed a lot of Philistines that day. But think about how they died. They th died singing praises to Dagon. They died praising our God for delivering Samson. That's what his death was like. Now compare that to three boys who didn't die, but could have died, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The king told them to bow down, and they were so holy, so set apart, they said, no, we're not bowing down to, to your God, to you as God, uh, the Lord's God. And the Lord can save us. You can do whatever you want to to us. He said, well, I'm going to throw you in the furnace. I said, that's okay. You know, God can get us out. And if he doesn't, that's all right too. Because the Lord's God. Now, we're not going to worship anybody else. So he threw them in the furnace. Uh, fourth man appeared in the fire. They came out not even smelling of smoke and all that. And what was the king's statement at that point? The king's statement was, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay. Five minutes ago, who did he think was God? Himself. The golden statue out there. But after their separation, their holiness, their, their acting like they were supposed to, the king said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the Lord... He is God. The Lord, He is God. Okay. Now you look at those two things with thousands of people dying, unfortunately, praising a false God. 
instead of the king and everybody else there that day, I guess, realizing that Jehovah is God. I think Samson didn't have the influence that he could have had. I think if he had remained holy, God would have used him in a much greater way, uh, and he wouldn't have died with thousands of Jehovah's enemies praising a false god. So I think that's how he failed in summary. Uh, Next week, we're going to try to figure out why he failed. What things did he do uh, wrong that can be a lesson for us in our faith walking? All right, we'll tackle that part next week. Lesson is yours if you're here this evening and need to respond to the Lord's invitation. We're going to sing a song like we always do and give you that opportunity. Uh, Let's stand and Brother Charles come and lead us.